Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Steve Rusati will join us to discuss the rise and fall of the dinosaurs. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Back to the Grox Science Show. Well, dinosaurs are certainly fascinating, and their fossils remain enduringly popular at natural history museums and often sell for millions of dollars at auctions. Yet, despite their grip on the public imagination, most of us know very little about the fascinating history of these astonishing creatures. Well, in the new book, The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs, A New History of a Lost World, author Dr. Steve Brusati explores this issue for a general audience. Dr. Brusati is a paleontologist at the University of Edinburgh. He's a graduate of the University University of Chicago and complete his doctorate at Columbia University. He is published in a number of leading scientific journals, including Science and Nature, and has authored a leading paleontology textbook, Dinosaur Paleobiology. He is also the resident paleontologist for BBC's Walking with Dinosaurs program. Again, the new book is called The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs. And Dr. Brusati, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Well, thank you. Thanks for buttering me up there with that introduction. <laughs> wow. Well, fascinating topic, and I think uh, no better person to write uh, on this issue. And I'm curious, how did you yourself become fascinated with dinosaurs? The University of Chicago was a huge part of it. And for me, I was not one of those kids that was obsessed with dinosaurs. I go into classrooms all the time these days, and I meet these kids, these five-year-old kids that know all the names, that can pronounce all the names. But that wasn't me. I came to paleontology a, a bit later when I was in high school. It was my youngest brother who was obsessed with dinosaurs, and he had essentially a dinosaur museum in his bedroom and he had hundreds of dinosaur books and it was through him reading those books with him that got me into it. And uh, I grew up in Ottawa, Illinois, which is about an hour and a half drive or so southwest of Chicago. It's right on Interstate 80. It's out by Starve Rock, right on the Illinois River. Um, very pleasant, very safe place to grow up, but, um, you know, a fairly uh, uninspiring place, let's say, just in the sense that you're in the middle of the cornfields, you're in the middle of the bean fields. And so it was coming to Chicago as a teenager, going to the Field Museum, seeing their dinosaurs, and then meeting Paul Serino, the very eminent University of Chicago paleontologist that made me want to come to Chicago to go to college and to study geology and to start my training as a paleontologist. And that's what I did. And I talk about the University of Chicago quite a bit in the book uh, and working with Paul because it was so instrumental in getting um, getting me where I am today. Just out of curiosity, does your brother also maintain his interest in dinosaurs? Like 99.9% of those grade school kids that are obsessed with dinosaurs, he grew up and found other interests and went into other things. But he went to study history at college and uh, he went into the museum field. So he designs uh, exhibits for museums. He does the content. So in a way, he kind of stuck with it. He stuck with history, but more recent history instead of this deep time prehistory of paleontology. 
So together you're covering pretty much the gamut of history on Earth. The whole history of the Earth between two brothers. How about that? <laughs> you cover the, the history of the dinosaurs from, from the dawn of the dinosaurs all the way to their extinction. Quite a long period of time. Uh, was it challenging trying to get the span of the history of the dinosaurs in one book? It was a lot of fun. Uh, and it was challenging at times. But it's such a great story, the, the history of dinosaurs. The origin, the rise of dominance, the extinction, it's, to me, a, a gripping story. The dinosaurs, we should think of them as an empire. That's what they were. They dominated the world for over 150 million years. And like any empire, they had to rise up, and they did. And like any empire, they flourished, and they did for a long time. And like many empires, they also fell. And they were around for a long time. That was probably the biggest challenge in writing the story, trying to keep it to, uh, keep it to point. And the whole history of dinosaurs from origins to extinction, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of about 200 million years or so. And the book is give or take 400 pages. So that means on average just about half a million years per page, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Uh, but um, the story, to me at least, is so interesting that it was just so much fun to sit down and put it all together and try to tell this story of dinosaurs. Is there a part of this story that uh, you think people haven't heard about or really aren't as versed in as they might be? I mean, certainly everyone's been exposed to something of uh, the golden age of the dinosaurs, but, but what about how they started and uh, roaming the earth? I think so. I think there will be a lot new in this book. Uh, and that's because it, it is a book for adults. And there are so many books about dinosaurs for kids. You can go to any library or any bookstore and you're probably going to see hundreds of books on dinosaurs for kids, but not so much for adults. And for a lot of people my age and older, and I'm not, I don't think I'm too old. I'm in my mid thirties now, but for people my age and older, when we learned about dinosaurs at school, it was usually the same old story of these dull, dim-witted, lumbering, drab-colored beasts that were just hanging around waiting to go extinct, these evolutionary failures. But we now know that that's not the case. It's the exact opposite. Dinosaurs were the ultimate success story in the history of Earth. These were animals that dominated for over 150 million years. They lived on every continent, every conceivable environment. Some of them grew to sizes that were the same size as a Boeing 737. Others were like T-Rex, bus-sized, bone-crunching meat-eaters. Others were tiny, the size of crows. Some even had feathers and wings and started to fly. And so much of this story we've only learned over the last decade because it is a golden age of discovery right now because there are people all over the world looking for dinosaurs. And right now people are finding so many dinosaurs that on average somebody is finding a new species once a week believe it or not, about 50 new species every single year. And each one is a clue that slots in and tells us something more about this story. So that's why the subtitle of this book is A New History of a Lost World, because it is a story that I think is a new one. And we're just coming to grips with it now. I think a lot of people are more familiar with, with the dinosaurs that roamed around America or Europe, but, but not so much in other continents. Well, dinosaurs lived everywhere. They lived everywhere, and the more we look, the more we see that. The very first dinosaur bones were probably found by ancient Greeks and Native Americans and other indigenous people way back in time, but it was only in the early 1800s that professional scientists and naturalists in Europe started to find dinosaur bones and study them and figure out that they belonged to this 
long extinct group of big reptilian beasts. And back then, most of the finds were in Europe and they were in Western Europe. They were in the UK, particularly in England. They were in Germany, they were in France. And then the game spread to North America and some bones were found in the East Coast in places like New Jersey. And then once the West started to be explored, this was now open hunting territory and all these dinosaurs were found in the Western states and also in Western Canada. And that's what it was like for much of the 19th and 20th centuries. But during the 20th century, paleontology started to expand all around the world. And now over the last few decades, it's expanded even more because right now there is a diverse group of people, particularly young people, women and men all over the world that are going out looking for dinosaurs. And it's because countries like China and Argentina and Brazil have opened up have started to train a lot of their own young scientists at their own universities and museums. That is what's fueling this. There are now so many different types of people out there looking for dinosaurs and they're finding them everywhere. There are dinosaurs in Antarctica. There are dinosaurs north of the Arctic Circle in Alaska. There's dinosaurs in Australia, in New Zealand, almost everywhere, never found though in the state of Illinois. <laughs> and that's one thing I would love to do one day is find the very first dinosaur in my home state. Uh, but for the most part, you can find them almost anywhere if you have rocks of the right type and the right age. Uh, so, so are the dinosaurs all over the globe? How varied are they? Particular, I guess, size differences? I mean, what, what, what makes them distinct, say a Chinese dinosaur in, in China versus one in North America or South America? The dinosaurs were around for so long and they achieved incredible diversity. And it was their diversity that was the key to their success. There were dinosaurs that ate meat, dinosaurs that ate plants, dinosaurs that ate other things. There were monstrous dinosaurs, these ones the size of airplanes that would shake the earth as they walked. There were tiny dinosaurs that could burrow and that could climb trees and that could paddle around in the water. And it was that diversity that was really the key. And what's interesting is that when dinosaurs started out, their origin story goes all the way back to what we call the Triassic period. And this was around 250 million years ago, right after a terrible mass extinction. That's how dinosaurs got their start. And at that time, there was just one continent, Pangaea, the supercontinent, all the world's land globbed together in this big mass that stretched from pole to pole. And over the next 150, 200 million years, Dinosaurs evolved as that supercontinent broke apart. And as that supercontinent fractured up and those pieces drifted away from each other, dinosaurs were along for the ride and they diversified. And you had dinosaurs becoming more and more different in different parts of the world. And so that's just a really neat story. And it also shows how resilient dinosaurs were. They lived for a long time and they lived during a very dramatic time of climate and environmental change. And they were able to cope with that until, of course, the very end when suddenly this asteroid came down and wiped them out really, really quickly. And how quick was this extinction? I mean, it's often depicted as being uh, very rapid, but did it take uh, thousands, hundreds? It was quick. It was really quick. What we know from the fossil record is that dinosaurs all over the world disappear suddenly 66 million years ago. And this is the exact same time that an asteroid hit the Earth. But not just any old asteroid. This was a six mile wide asteroid. It was a rock the size of Mount Everest. It was traveling faster than a jetliner. It smashed into the Earth with the power of over a billion Hiroshima bombs. And when it did so, it punched a crater into the crust over 100 miles wide. 
And as that happened, it unleashed a cascade of volcanoes, earthquakes, wildfires, tsunamis, hurricane-force winds. These things reshaped the planet within a matter of minutes, hours, days, weeks. And so quite quickly, the dinosaurs died out. Now, whether it was within a few years or within a few hundred years, it's really hard to tell from the fossils we have. But we definitely know that it was within 10,000 years because we have really well-dated fossils from just 10,000 years after that day of impact. No dinosaurs at all, but lots and lots of mammals, the creatures that survived the extinction and started to prosper afterwards and would go on to form the next dynasty of Earth history and eventually lead to us. What is it that we now can uh, learn from the era of the dinosaurs, their dominance on the planet, and then our own place in the history of the Earth? I think we can learn a lot. And I think ultimately that's why dinosaurs are important. I mean, look, dinosaurs are you can't go to the Field Museum and stand underneath the skeleton of Sue and not be moved by the sheer size and power and strength and weirdness of the animal. And that's why a lot of people, especially kids, love dinosaurs. But dinosaurs are more than a childhood fascination. They're more than movie monsters. These are animals that lived for a long time. They were real animals that had to deal with real moments of climate and environmental change. And that can teach us a lot of things. And I think the ultimate lesson of dinosaurs is the dinosaurs, they were an empire, a global empire. They were at the pinnacle of nature. 66 million years ago, when that asteroid hit, billions of dinosaurs would have woke up that morning all over the world, and very quickly they were gone. And if it could happen to the dinosaurs, could it happen to us? And that's the thought that I'd like to linger a little bit as people think about dinosaurs and hopefully as people uh, read my new book. Well, before we close, do you have a favorite dinosaur? <laughs> I get asked this question a lot, especially by kids. I have been really fortunate to work with a lot of great people, especially Paul Serino, uh, who was my first mentor in the field. He gave me my first dinosaur bones to study. He uh, allowed me to describe new species of dinosaurs. As an undergraduate, it was an amazing thing. And then I went on and had other mentors. Mark Norell in New York um, was a, a great mentor as well. And, and then I've worked with colleagues around the world. And I've got to study and describe and name about 15 new dinosaurs, and I'm always working on something new, and I'm always really excited and really enthused about whatever new species is in front of me. But when it comes down to it, there's one constant, there's one dinosaur that always has a grip on my soul, and that dinosaur, it's a little bit cliched to say it, but that dinosaur is T-Rex. They just don't come any more awesome than a T-Rex. I think uh, your, your choice is shared by many. It's All right. Well, the new book is called The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs, A New History of a Lost World. The author, Dr. Steve Brusati. And Dr. Brusati, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you very much. Thanks for the chance to speak. Really neat to be able to share this story with you. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking. Oh, 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 oh,